talk. Derek and Miley. Cause sexuality is tough. And okay, sexist isn't good enough. No. Sex talk with Derek and Miley. Hello, folks, and welcome to Sex Talk with Erica Miley. Erica Miley here, and I'm joined by a fantastic guest. I'm already a giant fan of Nick. Nick, will you please introduce yourself? Hey, how's it going? My name's Nick. I am a psychiatric nurse practitioner. We're going to talk meds today. I'm so excited. <laughs> Most folks don't get as you know nerdy and excited about meds, but the thing that they often come to, I would imagine, both of us about side effects of the medications that they are often on. And and we're going to talk like mental health medications specifically. We're not going to be going into like crazy stuff we don't know about. But <laughs> And also, I kind of want to give folks a disclaimer that if you hear something that we suggest today and you want to try it, definitely consult your doctor, consult your pharmacist, make sure that you are doing your due diligence to be sure that these things work for you and your biology. So what would you say would be one of the largest complaints from some of your folks about maybe side effects or medications, mental health medications they're on? Sexual side effects for sure, because they're they're affected by a lot of different of the psychotropic medications, either antidepressants or the antipsychotics, which are usually used for other things besides psychosis. And so it exists so profoundly and a lot of patients are faced with this, do I choose to be mentally well, mentally healthy, and give up my sex drive or you know, lose a big part of my sex drive? Or do I choose the sex drive and then continue to suffer from these mental health issues? And so that that is an absolutely a huge side effect and a huge complaint and probably one of the biggest reasons why people stop taking their medication. Absolutely. I think that's probably one of the largest complaints for my clients is that they come to me and they're like, hey, I can't, I am having the hardest time getting aroused at all. And I'm having the hardest time reaching orgasm at all, especially in my female-bodied clients. Yeah, there's really the three the three kind of forms of sexual side effects. You have the the lack of drive, just the zeroed sex drive, or you have the the inability to perform in a sense that the men have a hard time getting erections, women don't get the lubrication that they that they need to perform. And then the third kind is sort of the anorgasmia where you just can't you don't finish. It just doesn't, you don't get that orgasm. All three of them are terrible yes. <laughs> by themselves. And sometimes often they're mixed. And then it becomes kind of complicated because you're sort of like, okay, you have sexual side effects. What are the sexual side effects and how do you address those? Absolutely. And I talked in a previous episode before we jumped on here, um, I talked to folks about a lot of times, at least in therapy, about lubrication because that's one of the better ways that we have that we can at least address some of that. But how do you typically approach that with your folks when they come in complaining of these issues? It depends on the medication. I usually try to have an open conversation about what they're hoping to do, what they're wanting to do. You know, a lot of times there's, you know, there's a terrible dichotomy of not wanting to, to become unhealthy again, not wanting to get those symptoms anymore, but also not wanting the side effects. So um, if the medication is working, then the first thing you want to do is you'll tr you want to try to address the side effects, to try to treat, treat the side effects. And so doing something like you say, you know, with lubrication or for men using drugs that can help them get an erection, or there's Buspar, Buspirone, and Wellbutrin, or Bupropion, which if you're currently interested, you can 
write those down as buspirone and bupropion are two medications that probably have a 50-50 chance of sort of correcting that side effect. So they're definitely worth bringing up. And they're, they're, if the medication you're on is, is working, they're worth trying to see if they can kick the side effect. Otherwise, it's switching the agents and trying to find something that doesn't have the side effect. One of the things I think we both see is that folks will get impatient because they don't. It, this process takes time, and the process of finding the correct medication is one of the things that I am always kind of doing the education around that with my clients when they're seeking meds. Like, hey, this process is going to be a little arduous. This, this process is going to take some time so that they don't come into someone like you and go, I want that quick fix. Most people can intellectually understand that, but I think it's still hard because because they're coming in because things suck right now. Yeah. You know, things are terrible. It's just like, I understand it's going to take a while, but if it could not take a while, that'd be great too. A lot of times you try to take an approach of how can I give you relief soon, even though the, the long-term relief is going to be ideal. So Nick, tell the folks, how did you choose this field? How'd you get here? How'd you get to us? All right, right on, right on. So I went to nursing school when I was really young. I did nursing school when I was, uh, I think I got into the program when I was 20. And a lot of that, I think I wanted I wanted to go to film school. I wanted to be a big time director, or at least for me, being a struggling, starving director sounded about just as cool. I could I could do either. <laughs> I ended up meeting my wife and, and she was always like, you know, my life goals are to be a stay-at-home mom and support my family and stuff like that. So, and when I fell in love with her, I realized if I really want to, commit to this this lady, I should probably find something that's more family suitable. So I ended up going to nursing school, which if I would have realized how freaking terrible nursing school was, <laughs> I probably wouldn't have done it. <laughs> but I lucked out because I didn't know until about halfway there and I was too late. So I sort of had to muscle through it and then I ended up paying off. And my mom was a social worker and she worked in psych and she did counseling and case management. So, you know, I spent my life listening to all her work stories. And so I think, I think I was sort of programmed to get into mental health from the beginning. I think that any thought that I would do something else was just sort of fleeting and I would always turn back and I was, that's what happened after nursing school. I was, I was like, yeah, I'm going to go be a mental health nurse. Of course I am. That's, that's what I'm interested in. That's what I'm passionate in. And also the same mindset was the same. And then I'm going to go back and get a nurse practitioner. That's the next step. That makes sense. And so and it, it almost kind of felt like autopilot and, and got into a nurse practitioner program and, and ended up getting my doctorate and getting licensed. And that all finished about six months ago. I'm about six months in. I'm already a big fan because and, and folks, if you've ever been to mental health therapy before and thought, sought out meds, our job as therapists is maybe to connect you with someone that will hear you. <laughs> and yeah. that's not always the case with folks who are prescribing meds. But I can at least vouch for Nick and I have collaborated with folks. And, and I can at least say, being in the virtual room with you, that Nick will listen to you. And if you... Oh, I appreciate that. If you end up with a practitioner that you don't like, <laughs> that is not listening to you, that you feel isn't actually hearing you, it's time to switch. It's time to switch. Yeah, it's time to switch for sure. You can definitely, yeah. Some people can be strange. Some really smart people can be so successful in their whatever their education, and they're just like, that you kind of you talk to them for a while and they're like, man, you're a nice person, you're a very smart person. I just don't think we live on the same planet. I think you live on some different planet. You kind of commute down here, and you just have the weirdest conversations. It's like, I wonder what your I wonder what your patients think. <laughs> so. <laughs> yeah, for folks out there who are looking for help with medication from Nick in particular, you will have to live in the state of Washington. That's correct, right? For you gotta live in Washington. Yeah, I'm not licensed anywhere else. 
that would be a cool goal at some point, but the process, process is a little ardu- arduous. So maybe national there. licensing for each of our fields would be amazing. <laughs> that would be bomb for sure. <laughs> Too easy. I do want to kind of jump into the alternatives for some of the mental health medications that they're out there. And then maybe even some of the alternatives for some of the side effects. So when you start with folks with anxiety and depression, what are some of the alternatives they could seek out if that's something they were interested in? I can go a little bit to the, the chemical theory just a little bit and then talk about how the reason why maybe the pharmaceuticals work and, and why other methods should work too. Yes, nerd out. I'm ready. Nerd out. Okay, ready. So the biggest theory for depression is what is called the monoamine oxidase theory. Have you, are you familiar with the monoamine oxidase? Yes. Oh, you are? Okay, right on. So it's so monoamines are your, your, your mental health neurotransmitters, like if you've ever dopamine or norepinephrine or serotonin. So serotonin is the big depression monoamine or, or neurotransmitter. And so monoamine oxidase goes and it recycles those neurotransmitters, essentially gets rid of them. That way they can be reused, they can get recycled. And so, you know, the theory is that that it's going either too fast or there's not enough of those neurotransmitters. And so a lot of the drugs, they either block monoamine oxidase or block the system that allows the neurotransmitters to get processed and chewed up so they can stay where they need to be longer and so we can benefit them from longer. Does that make sense? Yes, absolutely. It's probably not that simple. It's probably a lot more complicated than that. Probably the reason why we think that's the case is because the medications we give people, you know, block monoamine oxidase or or block the the reuptake of serotonin, like serotonin reuptake inhibitors. I think that's important for people to understand that we're still learning so much about the brain processes and how these things affect our brains and affect our brains over time. Absolutely. Yeah, it's definitely over a period of time. And so so it's probably not that simple, and the reason is because the medications do that. But uh, an article I've been reading recently is talking about the role of inflammation in depression, and that's a, lot re- a big reason why the... Um, Cortisol, why the chemical cortisol is often high in high stress, because cortisol is our natural anti-inflammatory system. And so when cortisol is released, it's because things are inflamed and it needs to help de-inflame them. But if it's overused, it becomes ineffective. And so high cortisol in the blood sort of means high ineffective cortisol and the inflammation is happening. So the SSRIs that we usually prescribe first off in depression which I prescribe first off in depression, are usually well-tolerated, usually pretty effective. Probably they have an anti-inflammatory effect. However, so does exercise, and however, so does mindfulness or meditation. So if you're going to want to talk about the most effective approach to severe depression would be all three. However, I would say exercise and meditation probably are more effective than just taking the medication. Absolutely. One of the things I try to get across to my clients when we're talking about, like, I tell them first, like, you're like a bicycle wheel, you're in the middle, we're going to add spokes to get the wheel turning. And there's some very significant spokes that can really, really absolutely change how your body is working and exercise and meditation are huge, huge ways that they can do that. Oh, yeah. I would say that the primary ways. Yeah, for sure. Exercise is fine-tuned to our own biology, whereas with medication, you are trying to kind of fit something, and, and if something's not working, you've got to try again, whereas exercise, you, you've got your own chemicals running. Yeah, they're, they're your own system that's catered to how, what you need, and you can't get too many. You can't get side effects from your own chemicals, and so you're just going to benefit from them. Absolutely. For sure. So exercise, meditation, and I'm sure my clients and listeners are probably tired of hearing that, but it's too bad. (laughs) No, too bad. And so as far as like, I even bought mindfulness books 
for Christmas presents. That's all I did. And I'm going to plead with everybody I give them to to participate in the mindfulness books because it's so – mindfulness is so important. If they've they heard it a million times, I mean, but it, it can be so tailored to what you do and like. It doesn't have to be oming on the floor doing yoga. If that works for you, that's awesome. I think it's powerful. But there's so many different – you know, it's just personal reflection, you know, taking time to, to just – be in a moment. I mean, there's so many different ways to do mindfulness and it's so important and it's so effective to just absolutely give you sense of time. Yes. I'm constantly referring folks to apps or books or free YouTube videos. Like there, there are so many options out here in the world to find something that is based in meditation that can work for you because some folks really do struggle to sit and and do the like guided meditation or any of those things there's active meditations there's walking meditations there's there's tons of options out there so those two to start what what other things are like maybe even over the counter things they could be taking for sure yeah let's talk about those so serotonin is i think 90% in your stomach you know, there's kind of the new gut brain axis theory where your stomach health is as often is starting to be realized and how closely related to your mental wellness is. One very long term approach is taking regular probiotics can especially if there's potentially something, you know, off going on in your stomach, taking regular probiotics over a long period of time has shown to be really helpful for mood. And that's a great natural one as well. Another one that I pretty much have been telling every one of my patients to do is take magnesium supplements. And if you have kids, especially, and I think adults is great too, is the research shows that 50% of children have magnesium deficiency. If you have something like ADHD, the number goes up to about 96% of children have, have magnesium deficiency. So that probably translates pretty good to adults as well. So magnesium, um, if you're an adult, 400 milligrams a day, glycinate. Um, G-L-Y-C-I-N-A-T-E. We tell you to consult the doctor. If you wanted to take magnesium glycinate, 400 milligrams a day, you probably can just go ahead and do it. The only side effect to potentially happen is you might get some diarrhea. And that might mean you just need to back off on the dose a little bit. Spoiler for folks, we talked about this well beforehand just because I was asking Nick for my other clients. And I'm like, hey, there's other things happening. I would love to give them some other options. And so I'm personally on Amazon getting some more magnesium, just like, hey. Yeah, you get that calm stuff with the powder. That's what I've used personally. And it's kind of like a little drink. You got to put it in warm water. So it's where you can just take, you can take the pills too. Let's see, another cool one, especially if you have, you know, because the depression inattention is a, is a diagnostic criteria for, for depression. So if you're having a hard time focusing, vitamin B6 can be a really cool supplement to take that can be pretty effective, also effective for ADHD. If you're having like irritability, like, like aggressiveness or sort of this underlining sort of hostility, or if you've tried these and they haven't worked and so you want to try something else, nutritional lithium is also a neat supplement that's you know, the lithium is kind of a scary word, but nutritional lithium is incredibly low dose lithium that ends up having sort of this, it sort of rebuilds your neuro pathways in a way, and, it, and it's shown to really help mood. And so low dose nutritional lithium is a really safe, yet pretty effective for your mood option as well. That's fantastic. Just out of curiosity, this is one of those ones that we learned about and back when I was in graduate school. Psychopharmacology was SAMe, S-A-M hyphen E. Do you know much about it? 
I don't know much about it. Tell me, I'm still learning about all this new stuff. <laughs> so one of the that's one that I've suggested to clients in the past. It is good for folks to talk to their pharmacists again about these kinds of things because CME is not indicated for folks who have like potential for like a bipolar one diagnosis. But CME has been shown to be as effective as Prozac, and there's science behind it. But of course, off the top of my head, I would have there's a long list of things. I'll make sure it's all in the show notes so that you folks can look it up. But it is an over yet again, another over-the-counter option that is for like antidepressant purposes and mental wellness. I've also had suggestions from colleagues of ilthionine for anxiety. I think it's also one of another one of those natural remedies that folks, I've, I haven't had any clients endorse it yet, but I've had colleagues suggest it as well. So I just want to kind of throw options out there to folks to take a look at, do some research. Um, it doesn't mean that medication isn't necessary. I do want to talk about that a little bit because we've both seen clients where they have reached a level of depression that medication is necessary and it is and it can be incredibly helpful. So when you're working with folks who have had pretty serious significant depression or anxiety, what is one of those kind of first things you talk to them about like if they're new to medications? I always use an SSRI first like Prozac or Zoloft. If they've done an SSRI in the past and it didn't work, but there was it was okay tolerated, I'll still try a different one because we know that Often people who don't respond to one SSRI still have a good chance of responding to a second one. The biggest side effects with SSRIs is, like I said, serotonin is in the stomach. Most people experience some sort of gastrointestinal side effects, which include like nausea, some diarrhea. It can kind of suck, but it usually goes away after a week or two. I just had a client this week who who totally stopped taking it. So, so for some people, it can be just be intolerable and you know don't take it if it's intolerable. But if you can push past it, usually goes away. Another Big side effect to look for with taking an SSRI is a little bit of increased irritability and anxiety at first, too. It kind of got this buzzed feeling. And so usually the, the best way to prescribe it in antidepressant is to give somebody something for an, for anxiety right away, too, so they can take that for their first week or two to sort of get past that, because that also tends to go away. In children and in young adults, there is a black box warning for increased suicidality. This is something that I'm aware of and that I tell to the patient about, but it's suicidality goes so hand in hand with depression that it's hard to treat the suicidality and not treat the depression. So it's important to still treat the depression. And a lot of times the person's suicidal already. And so you talk about how if that increases, how to use your safety plan. And, and that's super important as well. But that can increase. I think one of the theories behind that is people, a lot of people who have depression feel so immobilized and lost, just can't even, some people can't even lift their arms or, or they feel like they can't get out of a bed. And so if the antidepressant gives you energy faster than it gives you sort of a good mood or, or helps treat your depression, then you sort of have energy with your suicidal thoughts. And that's the idea that that maybe why it increases suicidal behavior and suicidal thoughts. Right. That makes complete sense that folks, when they start to actually maybe feel some sort of relief, one may come before the other. Right. And that's why we, as professionals, we're always telling folks it's never just medication and it's never just Absolutely. therapy if things get if things get too difficult right. in therapy. Together, that is the best way to try to tackle some of these severe disorders. I could absolutely get behind therapy by itself. If that's working and, and you're nervous about mm -hmm. medications, definitely try therapy first and definitely do therapy by itself. You know, that's fine and that's wonderful. I think therapy and medications together create, you know, a wonderful relationship that can bring optimal healthiness. 
I'm personally skeptical of taking medication without therapy. I'm seeing it in patients and, it, and it's starting to make me nervous and it's making me rethink sort of the way that I'm going to, when I'm working my business, that I might start trying to figure out a way to not necessarily encourage, but actually sort of just sort of demand that patients that I see are also getting therapy done either by myself, but I think honestly, preferably by somebody that they can create a really wonderful relationship with on a long-term basis and just doing medication by itself. It's not going to get you all the way there. You got to be doing something else too. Absolutely. I think it comes from folks like you and myself. If we can just let folks know the imperative of it, that has happened where maybe some prescribers in the past have said, well, you, they may not know who to refer to, or they may not have those relationships. And I know both Nick and I, myself feel that it is so important to have those professional relationships to be able to refer to somebody that you know, like, oh, I know this person is going to listen to the person that I'm sending them to. Or if my clients has, have real serious concerns about the medications they're taking, I know that Nick will take the time to explain those things to them. That's a huge burden on the provider. And I think that's something that I'm trying to get, you know, how to create those relationships because a lot of times you're like, well, I think you should get this kind of testing or you should go to therapy for this. And then the, the patient sort of stares at you and they're like, but you know, how, how do you get connected and how do you know who's good? And, you know, yeah, absolutely. It's important to build those. The last side effect is of course the sexual side effect one, which we talked about at the beginning, but those are sort of the big, the big ones for antidepressants is the GI anxiety, increased suicidality, and then the sexual side effects. There's a new antidepressant out. It's called Vibrid. It's not specific to serotonin. It has some effects with norepinephrine, which often can help because norepinephrine is thought to help with sexual libido or improve sexual performance. And so if you have norepinephrine with serotonin, serotonin hurts it, the norepinephrine helps it. So hopefully that, that balances it out. So Vibrid, when they, when they first started Vibrid, they, you know, they did the trials to approve its efficacy and they, and they showed that there was a relatively high amount of sexual dysfunction among the people who were taking it, probably due to depression, because depression makes it hard to have sex. So ideally with antidepressant therapy, when your depression gets better, your sexual drive gets better. With a lot of antidepressants, it gets worse because of the side effects. Well, Vibrate stayed about the middle. So that tells us that Vibrate isn't perfect, that Vibrate still has some of the side effect issues, but it's pretty neutral compared to all the other medication. As far as your SSRIs go, I usually use fluoxetine or Prozac or sertraline or Zoloft first because they're they're relatively inexpensive and they're pretty safe. Lexapro or escitalopram is probably has the best side effect panel. It's a little bit more expensive. However, paroxetine is notorious for having a lot of sexual side effects. I'm still seeing paroxetine used a lot, especially in primary care. I think they use it because it's pretty effective. But I'm seeing it used like in 20-something men. And it's just like, oh, I mean, I just, it's like, it makes me nervous to see it, you know, a 20-something man taking that just because I don't want them to get the help they need and then have a hard time with the side effects. Absolutely. And for pretty much anybody, like that's when you are experiencing some of like understanding your own sexual identity and, and when mm. you're being inhibited by a medication, it can make you feel like you're broken. Right. Yeah. It can feel like it's something that's, oh, why am I feeling better? But yet this isn't better. You know, what have I done wrong? Exactly. I mean, especially when you're watching your peers have other partners and they don't seem to be going through the same thing as you, you can feel quite alone. And, and honestly, all of the SSRIs carry a big, you know, all the, the, the first line of depressants carry, it's a big chance. And that can be kind of frustrating. So that's you know a big reason why to, to consider the alternatives first to do the therapy first to make sure you're exercising, make sure you're doing the meditation maybe looking at some of the supplements, especially if, if you know that you're going to be pretty impacted by that potential side effect. 
So, Nick, how do folks find you? And do you got anything going on? Are you taking new folks for those who are in Washington State? For sure. My business is all new to me. And so I just hired somebody to help me with scheduling and take phone calls. I've been dropping the ball pretty good just because it just got crazy busy. I have a little bit of a wait list, but I can share my email address and phone number. My phone number is going to go live in two weeks so that that when my assistant can start answering it. If you're interested, you can call me up and we can get you filling out the packet and get you an appointment. Awesome. 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 And I'll make sure all of the contact information is in the show notes. So go ahead and share the email and the phone number. And then that way, because if they don't listen to the show notes, they'll at least maybe write down the phone number. (laughs) Nick at GoodwinHealthCafe.com is the email address. Let's just do that one because I don't know where my number is. I just bought it on Grasshopper. (laughs) Hey, no worries. I I understand. Folks out there, we're all uh, the business part. Yeah, we're trained in graduate school for the mental health part and the meds part, but the business part still, uh, we're all still it's figuring so out. It's so weird, man. <laughs> I didn't know how weird it would be. Like, it's just like, it's not even, it's hard isn't the right word, tedious and strange. It's tedious and strange. Yes. I feel like that's, those are the best, absolutely the best words for describing how to be a business person when all you care about is wanting to help people. Yeah. I just want to help people my own way. And uh, you just got to jump yes. through some weird hoops. And, and after a while, I mean, at this, I think after this month, it's going to kind of come together and I'm going to start feeling like, like, I don't know what I'm doing. But now I think at this point, I'm, I'm feeling pretty good decent with the business aspect. Fantastic. All right, Nick, thank you so much for being here with me today. Oh yeah, for sure. And folks, thanks for sticking around and everything that you need will be in the show notes and we will see you next time. Thanks for listening, folks. Please rate and review on iTunes. It helps this podcast get found. If you leave a five-star review, let me know about it on any social media and I'll shout you out on the podcast. You can find my website at ericamiley.com. You can find me on Facebook, the gram, and Twitter. See y'all next time.